All right. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Enjoying these days and the weather and the, how beautiful it is outside. It's going to be hot today, so be prepared for that. Um, if you're new here, I am Dan. I'm one of the staff here at Life Community, and we are just glad to have you here. Um, we'd love to get to know you more, so please uh, come introduce yourself for sure. Um, this is Life Community Church. Now, we are in a different building because we had a fire about six weeks ago, something like that. And this church, RELC, so generously let us use this space this morning. So if you're here and you thought you were coming to RELC, it's actually down the hallway. They're meeting in the old chapel today. So this is Life Community. I wanted to let you know that. All right. As we start today, I want to read a little bit from the book of Acts as we talk about the early church and what happened in the time after Jesus died, rose again, and then ascended to the Father, the early church started to form. And this is what we read early on about that, that group of believers in Acts 2.42. I'm going to read from the message today, the translation of the message. It says, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They committed themselves to, the, to life together. They committed themselves to the common meal and to the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned, and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration. You're getting hungry, aren't you? Every meal, a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. That passage, several of the values we hold as a church are in that passage. You see them in there. And we're going to focus on one the next couple of weeks, and that is our value of being faithful to the Bible, of being biblically faithful, our commitment to the Word of God and to the the authority of the word of God in our lives. So I want to read to you um, our statement about the word of God, our, one of our core values here. We believe that the Bible's true, that it is authoritative and applicable to every part of our lives. We, while we are progressive in our methods, we are conservative in our theology, grounded securely to the truths of historic evangelical Christianity. We study, we teach, and we follow the scripture as the authority and a guidebook for our lives. We are committed to being thoroughly biblical and doctrinally pure in all that we do. And I'll just say, as we talk about the Word of God the next couple of weeks, I am, I am so excited. I love the Word of God. The more you, you invest in the Word of God, the more you just become intrigued and captivated by, by what God has brought together through His Holy Spirit, through men. So I'm excited to dive into it. It's worth uncovering the Word of God, it's worth pursuing, and it absolutely speaks into our lives today. And We've got to pursue it with great humility as we come to the Word of God. So I'm just thankful for God. We take for granted we have such immediate access to the Word of God now on our phones um, and uh, with, with Bibles too. It's, just, it's amazing to live in a place where we have that. So I'm just going to thank God for that today, and, and, and we're going to worship in a second together. But just join me just in centering your hearts on, on God today. 
God, we come, the only reason we're here is because of your son and what he's done for us. He's provided a way for us to, be, to know you, to be made right with you, and we, we come in his name today. And we are so grateful and thankful that you have not left us without um, the words that you have spoken. You've not left us without what you want us to know. You've given us the word, this incredible collection of how you've moved through men by your Holy Spirit to, to guide and to lead us through that word today. And we are just so grateful, God, that we live in a place where we have access to it. Thank you so much. We know that many of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have that kind of access. So we pray for them this morning, and we're just grateful and thankful for what we have. We don't want to take it for granted. And as we turn to you now, and as we worship, we declare some things, God, that you are the one true God. And you are the God who has, has made a way for us to know you through Christ. And we, are, we want to worship you for that, God, that you are a faithful, true, perfect, holy, set-apart God who loves us. And so we worship you as one body because that's what you intended. It's what you wanted us to do. And everybody said? Okay. You can go ahead and stand up. I'll turn it over to Brett. In Philippians, Paul says this, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's our prayer this morning, Lord. We're singing all the glory to you, all the glory, all the honor and praise for what you've done. morning, church. That was a good response. I was not expecting that. <laughs> uh, my name is Sean Lobb, and it is so awesome to be with you here today, uh, just worshiping and in the presence of a great God. On Sundays, this is not the only time for me and my family, my wife Jenny, my son Andrew, that we get to connect with fellow uh, members of this body. Our cell group meets Sunday afternoons where we get to grow and continue to connect with each other. If you're not yet connected to a cell group, I would strongly encourage that you seek one out and just have that time to continue to grow together on a deeper level. For me and my family, this is a time we always look forward to. There are often times in our lives where we have something to look forward to, where we can expect good things that are upcoming. There are also times where it is hard to look forward to something, where we are uncertain or even fearful about what the next day will bring. And in those times, we can always expect good things because 
God is good. And I just realized I need to hold this much closer to my mouth. <laughs> God is good, and he will do great things. And we know that because God has already done great things. God has been trustworthy and faithful. The greatest thing that has ever been done for us is when God sent his only son to be with us, to love us, to rescue and restore us by dying for us. God will do great things because God has already done great things. We take communion as an act of remembrance. Jesus commanded us to take this time and take the bread and the cup as a practical way to remember his sacrifice on the cross, the great thing that he did for us. Mark 14, starting in verse 22, reads, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, Truly, I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus asked specifically his followers to do this as an act of remembrance, to remember his sacrifice and our salvation. We're going to leave it up to you to decide if you're ready to participate today, you or young members of your family. For everyone else who is participating with this communion today, we are going to gather the elements, the bread and the juice, and after you take them, take them to your seat, but do not take them just yet. Pause, sit, reflect, just allow God's faithfulness to dwell. And once we have all collected the elements, we will take them together. Please go ahead and start making your way up to the tables and gather the elements.
Mark 14, verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Take and eat. Verse 23. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Take and drink. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we gather before you in gratitude and reverence as we partake in this act of remembrance, Lord. We remember the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, gave his body and blood for our salvation. May, the, may this just remind us, Lord, of the boundless love, grace, and mercy. We use, may, we made, may we just grow closer to you, Lord, and one another. And allow our lives to reflect the selfness, selflessness and compassion exemplified by Jesus. In your holy name. Amen. Let's continue this act of remembrance by lifting our voices in praise. Ben Pastor here at LCC. And this morning we're going to talk about ministry residency. You say, what is that? Um, ministry residency is a, an emphasis that we have here as a church, but also that our uh, group of churches has as well. And the desire is to train up the next generation of church leaders. The church needs leaders, um, and they need those for generations and, and generations to come. Um, and we feel like we are in a good space to be able to uh, come alongside those who are considering and thinking about and planning on going into full-time ministry and to just come alongside them and give them some opportunities for um, some practical and experiential learning. I think, I think there's plenty of good, well, I don't know if there's, well, Let's say, let's say this. All the caveats are kicking in. There are good Bible colleges. There are good seminaries. But there's something about the practical learning that's important. Like if I was to ask um, Sandy or Carrie or Rebecca, who all work in graduate medical education, like, is the classroom enough? They'd probably say no. <laughs> like, they need that residency aspect of their training. Um, and I think there's things about church leadership that are the same way. You need you need the book learning, you need the classroom learning, but you need the like, how does this actually play out in real life aspects too. So why are we talking about all that? Because our newest ministry resident started on Tuesday of this week, and I want to introduce him to you this morning. So Chris, will you come, come on up here for a second? Okay, so Chris, will you tell us, um, like, where were you born and raised? Who, who grew up in the house with you? Stuff like that. <clears throat> So I am originally from Arizona, way out west. Definitely weird. The snow never realized it never melted. Did not know that. Um, my parents, my mom and dad, is who raised me up there. I have no siblings. I'm the only child. 
So that is also a fun fact. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And I noticed you're sitting next to someone back here. Would you introduce us to her? Unless I mean, unless it's just a random person you're sitting next to. Sometimes I wish, but it's not. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay though. She is my fiance, Jen. That is her. Yes, that is the person I will marry. Yes. Okay, and one quick, just because uh, I feel like this is a good hot topic if we want to kind of split the audience for a second. Um, uh, what would you say is the correct order in which to watch Star Wars movies? Okay, okay. Everybody just was like, they're like, what's he going to say? Well, whatever I say will be invalid because I've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, so when you say, how could I get to know Chris? Well, you can invite him to your house. You can indoctrinate him into whatever thing you think is the correct order and way to watch those. And, and have him, you can show him those movies. Um, so, hey, real quick. So, Chris is here with us for two years. He's going to get a broad experience in all church ministry things, but focusing on next gen. So, if you have a kid here of any age... Like, they're going to come up against Chris and be, be taught by Chris and, and, and get uh, to be part of Chris's training as well. So parents, come, come say hi to him after the service. Get to know him. Um, and it's not just the staff team. Like, all this is, at the end of the day, the simplest way to think of this is just discipleship. All we're saying is, hey, Chris, come do this with us, okay? Just like we invite you to do with other people in the body. Hey, come, come do life with Jesus alongside me. Um, but it's not just our staff team pouring into Chris, although I think we're amazing and will do a great job. But it's also, and it's not just like Monica and Sonia and I as, as the next gen part of that. It's also, um, he's going to have a coach who's Brian back there at the soundboard um, all throughout this process. But here's the thing. He has you guys. Here's one of the things I'm most excited for, for Chris and this opportunity, is that it's here and that it's with you all. Because... I think when it comes to, hey, what does it look like to um, be a leader in the church, getting to do that alongside you guys is going to be one of the, one of the biggest um, positives for him as he goes through this two years with us. So in order to do that, you're going to have to like probably take that first step and, and come say hey to him, get to know him, um, ask him, ask him about his life, ask him out to coffee, stuff like that, okay? Okay, Chris, thanks. You can have a seat. Um, and Tom, would you come lead us? On a regular basis, I think, man, I wish there were more residency programs when I was <laughs> entering, leaving college and entering into ministry. Um, super excited to have Chris with us. Um, since I just mentioned, you know, time gone by. I'm very thankful. Uh, I can't be, you can't be proud about this. It just happened to me. I just arrived at the right time, but I'm very thankful that I was born in 1975. Yeah, I'm born by other 1975ers. All right. Especially thankful, though, about being born in 1975 for this reason. It meant that, that meant that between ages 5 and 15, I got to experience the greatest decade of human history, the 1980s, right? I was formed, yes, I was formed in the 1980s. Um, we had the best hair. We had, we had the best music, right? We had the best fashion. Um, but, but we also learned many valuable lessons, okay? 
I'm not sure um, why I need to know not to feed a gremlin after midnight, but I know not to. Um, although that's also tricky because technically all day is after midnight, right? Like, when can you feed a gremlin? The answer is never, okay? Don't ever feed a gremlin. But, but one of the things that, that I learned growing up from basically every, uh, every time that, that, that this thing showed up, you knew uh, that, that bad things were about to happen. Anytime in the 1980s that you were, you were watching a show or watching a movie and a, and a diary became part of the plot, you knew it was going to be bad news. Because, like, the greatest rule of the 1980s was never read someone else's diary, right? Never read someone else's diary because inevitably what you read there is going to be misunderstood. It's going to be misunderstood. And then a crazy thing happened in our world, and this is why the 80s were the best, because you could still keep a private diary. Then, we, you know, the internet exploded, and everybody just started keeping their diary online, right? So we, just, we stopped doing diaries and journals, and we just started like, putting our thoughts on blogs and social media. And now we just all misunderstand each other all the time. Um, and it's, it's, just kind of, it's just kind of part of what it means today. And, and we are actually going to be looking at, um, this, this is going somewhere, we're, we're, we're going to be looking at how do we understand the word of God, okay? Because quite frankly, it has a long history of being misunderstood. It has a long history of being misunderstood. And as Dan shared with us when he was just welcoming you this morning, there's a, a great level of humility we need to bring to it. Because when we come to the Bible, because when we come to the Bible, it's, it's, it, it, in our pride, it's very easy for us to, t- to take it and make it say what we want it to say. And how do we avoid that? And we have a, we have a uh, Dan shared our core value around here, but we're going to be in this series just for a, a, a few weeks here, looking at, at the Bible itself. What, what is it? How do we come to it? How does it shape us and change us? I want to emphasize right now that this is today is part one of this series. Not everything that needs to be said about this subject is going to be able to be said today. But we're going to start, okay? We're going to start. And Dan shared with you, um, Dan shared with you our core value, our, our value about the Bible. That essentially, like, we're just, um, we just, we, we put the Bible out in front of everything that we do, okay? And, and, we, and we want to be faithful to that. And, and we, we don't back away from it. We're not trying to hide it. We want to put on a billboard that we believe in the Bible, okay? We believe that it, that it is unique and that it is special, that it guides us and shapes us, okay? And in our statement of faith, we actually have some very specific words to articulate what it is that we believe about the Bible. And I'm going to put that up here. I'm going to start with this. We're going to be, we're going to be all, kind of all over the, the scriptures today, but I want to start by just sort of like, what is it that we believe about the Bible, Okay? And it says this, we, we say this, we, we believe the original texts of the 66 books of the, the Old and New Testaments, historically accepted by the church as the Holy Scriptures, are God-breathed. These scriptures, written by holy men who were chosen and equipped by God for this special task, these, these, these scriptures are the truth and final authority in all matters of faith and practice. We believe that statement. We believe what it says. We, we believe it so much that we've shaped uh, not just our church around it, but as individuals, our lives around the scriptures. We believe it to be true. And that's, but that statement says a lot. There's a lot in there. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're actually going to break it down bit by bit and examine it uh, in, in sort of line by line or phrase by phrase. And we're also going to take a look at what the scriptures say about each portion of our, our statement on the Bible 
and, and try to best understand what it means to be faithful to the Bible. What it means to be faithful to the Bible. Ultimately, our faith is not in the Bible. Okay? Our faith is in God who has given us the scriptures. But when we come to it, we come to the Bible in faith or by faith. And so, so we just want to take this, like I said, bit by bit, and then hopefully at the end sort of try to make some, some practical moments, okay, of what do we do next. So the first thing that that statement says is this. We believe the original texts of the 66 books of the Old and New Testament historically accepted by the church as the Holy Scriptures, okay? So, so there's, it says several things there, that we, but, and, but, but right off the bat it says we believe the original texts, okay, original texts. Now, that's common theological speak for saying like what we we recognize that what we hold in our hands today is not the original version of what God gave to us okay plain and simple um it is if you're reading it no matter what language you're reading unless someone in the room has got some Greek or Hebrew uh, uh text in front of them um what you're holding is invariably a translation Okay? It has moved from, from one language to another. It's moved from, what, what, there's no way around it, what were once like living languages but are now dead languages into, okay, into the language that we can understand it, the, the language that we read it in. We get that. Okay? And so that means that, that when we come to this, we don't believe that our translations of the Bible are in and of themselves perfect. Okay? That's the work of translation is the work of, of humans, and all humans are marked by sin, and no matter how much work we put into it, okay, there's, something's going to be missed and lost, and we kind of raise our hands and go like, that's at this stage of the discussion, that's okay. That's okay. What we believe is that, the, that as it was originally given, as it was originally given, okay, those, that, that it was, that those are the holy scriptures, okay? And, and with that, we, it says here very clearly the 66 books of the, of the Old and New Testaments. Our Bible divided into to the, the Old Testament or the scriptures given in anticipation of Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And then the New Testament, those, those writings that, that were done in the, in, the, in the first century around the life of Jesus that today uh, shape and form the, the, the church of God through Christ. Okay? The Old and New Testament. And essentially what we're saying there is we have the whole thing. Okay? That when you pick up your Bible, what we believe, and these are, these are, I think, these are really fascinating studies, but I'm not going to bore you with them today. But I think it's really amazing the way that, that the books that we read today came together in the form that they came together. I believe it to be so fascinating and amazing that it's miraculous. And the miracle worker is God himself. I believe that God saw to it that we have the Bible that we have today because it tells us everything we need to know about him. Everything we need to know in order to have a relationship with him. Okay? And then it goes on to say that th these were historically accepted by the church as the Holy Scriptures. That accepted can be sort of a loaded term, but, but believe this, that God used the church, the church of, of, of Jesus Christ was the agent that God used in order to see, see to it that the scriptures were preserved for us. Okay? So, that first couple lines there in this simply says this. We have a good and, and faithful Bible in front of us. It's the same Bible that the earliest Christians would have read. We're not missing anything. The latest news special that, that 
that tries to convince you that there's missing books of the Bible, that if you really want to have the true story or the truer story, you need these other books. That's, that's not the case, okay? That the, the 66 books of the Bible that we have in front of us, these, this, is the, this is the Bible that God intended for us. This is his word to us, okay? And the, the, the Bible itself gives us a little bit of insight into to what's going on. Take a look at, at the book of Hebrews, and, and feel free to shuffle around here with me. We're, Second Peter will land there for the longest period of time, but we're going to look at several passages. The book of Hebrews begins with this statement, okay, this, this, this idea. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Okay, there's a man packed into these two little, little verses, a lot of theology, but here's the this is the, the, the idea, okay? The author of Hebrews, writing smack dab in the middle of the first century, just a, just a few years after the life of Christ, the author of Hebrews says this, in the past, in the past, God spoke to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. He used a lot of different things to, to get his point across. And then there's, the, but then verse two starts with that big but, right? But, in these last days, that, that not last in the sense of like the last of human history, but the last in the sense of like the last days that God is revealing himself in this way to mankind. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, through Jesus. And so the, the purpose of all that came before this was to get to Jesus. And now that Jesus is on the scene and we have a good and faithful and accurate and trustworthy record of who he is and what he's done for us, that's the, that's the end. He's spoken finally. Okay? He's spoken finally. So, so we have the scripture, the Bible, the word that we have, because God saw fit to, to tell us, to tell people in anticipation of the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And now that it's happened, that Christ has come, we have the, the, the final word on God's work. Jesus is the final word. There's, there, God isn't done working. He still works in the world, but he's spoken finally through his son. Um, and Jesus himself said this in Matthew, which is a fascinating little verse. And again, there's so much packed into this. But Jesus said this. He says, truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not one dot, that's like the little tiny marks in the language, will pass from the law until, it, until all is accomplished. His, the point of this being like, Jesus is saying, he's, he's speaking here on, on a couple different planes, but the first thing he's saying is like, look, the, all the Bible that Jesus would have been reading himself, what we call the Old Testament, he says, there's, that, that, we're not done with that. It's still God's word. It's not going to pass away. It's still valid. It's still true. It's still good. We still benefit from, us, from it. It still gives us good and reliable uh, 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 ways of understanding who God is so that we can see him more clearly. So the purpose of the scripture is a purpose that's now complete. It's to see Jesus plainly. But as Jesus himself says, okay, as Jesus himself says, the Bible's not going anywhere. The Bible's not going anywhere. We have it intact, in place for all time. Okay? So there's these texts. That's the first couple lines of our statement of faith, our, our, our statement of faith when it comes to the Bible. We have these texts, and then it says this. It says, they are God-breathed. These texts are God-breathed, okay? Are God-breathed. I think actually our, our Spanish brothers and sisters here, Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters get a little better word. They're inspired. 
okay? I like, I like that a little better, even though maybe it's not exactly the same, but, but, but they're, they're inspired, they're, they're God-breathed, okay? And that, that language comes directly out of 2 Timothy. Paul writes this to, 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 sec, to Timothy in, in the second letter that we have in our scriptures, and he says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. All of the Bible, all of the Bible is breathed out by God. It's a way of saying that it all comes from God, like it, the the, the truth of the scriptures moves in from internally from God out to us. It covers us. It, 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 he's, he exhales it out on us. It, it's sort of the artist's way of understanding, like, like, what's going on here. The very character and nature of God are expressed out from him to us through his word. It carries his very life in it. It's not hit it. The, the, the breathing out is not him, but it's his. We get that? Because it's easy for us to take the Bible and make it God and worship it. The Bible is not God, but it is, it is forever bound up in who God is. It's God-breathed. It comes from, it, it's out of him. It carries his life. He exhaled the truth of the scriptures. Like when we read the scriptures, we're reading everything that is just natural about God. He's expressing who he is. And the, the passage goes on, it says, so it's breathed out from God and it's profitable. It's, it profits us. It's good for us. And it gives these areas for teaching and reproof, for, for checking if, whether or not we, uh, 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 what we believe to be true is the truth, for correcting when we're wrong, for training, so that the man or woman of God can be complete and equipped. Right? We can be complete and equipped the Bible serves this purpose, right? We come to it so that we can be mature, complete, and equipped for the work God has for us. It's not just a nice book full of stories of heroes that had to overcome challenges. Those things happen in the story, but that's not why it exists. It exists so that we can be, be built up into everything that God intends for us, complete and equipped, and then we say, our, our, our statement says this, these scriptures were written by holy men who were chosen and equipped by God for this special task. You see, the Bible stands apart in, 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 across all these different holy books in this way. Okay? There's many ways, but in this statement and in this way, the Bible is not the Koran. Okay? The Koran, one man, went, one man went into the cave, God dictated to him what he wanted, and he came back out of the cave with the message. That's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is a collection of God's work with mankind. Across hundreds and hundreds of years it was written. Documenting all kinds of different genres of, of, of we would even say, literature. And it comes to us in, in, in a form that's collected together and yet consistent in the character and nature of who God is. Peter says, says this, the, the Apostle Peter says this in 2 Peter. We're going to get several verses here, Okay. And he's, Peter, this is, again, this is super fascinating because Peter, within the time frame of the writing of the New Testament, is giving a little bit of commentary on how it came to be. How did we get our Bible? Well, Peter's going to sort of lay out a little bit of how it happened. And Peter writes this in, in 2 Peter cha, uh, chapter 1, verse, uh, actually, I don't think that's chapter 1. If you have your Bible, I think it might be chapter 3, but, but um, forgive me. If it, if it is chapter 1, forgive me for the asking for the forgiveness. You get it. Okay. This is in 2 Peter. 
okay? Maybe someone wants to hold, look it up and hold up one or three. I'll figure it out. Okay, but it does say this, I promise. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty or his glory. Here's what Peter says. Like, we didn't just, we didn't get together and give you some sort of like, like tale or legend of Jesus. This isn't the Knights of the Round Table. Okay, who looked it up? Is it one or three? Thank you. It is one. I was right. See, I shouldn't have doubted. Okay. This isn't just a myth or a legend. We're not reading a fable. He says, we saw this stuff. And by the way, by the way, just as a point of evidence on this, these, these men who wrote the New Testament, who wrote the stories about Jesus, they all died for their testimony. They had opportunity to say, just kidding, we made it up. They didn't. They all died. They went to their grave saying, I can't, I can't stop talking about what I've seen in Jesus. Okay? So he says, like, we didn't, we didn't just... We didn't, we didn't huddle together and have a quorum and decide, like, hey, here's the stories we want to tell. We're just telling you what we experienced. And he goes on, he says, For, we re- for when he, Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was, was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That's said twice in, in the Gospels, but he tells us, We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. He's talking about the transfiguration of Jesus as it's, it's recorded in, in the Gospels. They go up on the mountaintop. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. They go up on the mountaintop, and, and, and they see Jesus in his glory. Okay? And Peter says, I was there. I witnessed it. I heard the voice. When we saw Jesus in his glory, I heard the voice say, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. I'm not making it up. It's not just a fancy story. I witnessed it. I was there. Verse 19, he goes on. He says, and, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. There's even more than that, to which you will do well to pay attention. Like, pay attention to what we're saying. This is the word from God. Uh, we, to pay attention to, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But like, pay attention to this. It brings light to the darkness that's in our souls. And keep, keep going. Verse 20 says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, okay? Nothing, nothing no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. He's saying, He's saying across, across the scriptures, he's saying, when you, when you read this, this isn't just Peter's interpretation of things. It's not just John's, Paul's. It's not how this works, Peter's saying. In the moment, in the present tense, Peter understood what was going on. And he says in verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. It didn't come about strictly by the will of man. Now we're in talk in a few minutes about the human aspect of this. God didn't strip these people of their humanity. He said, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moved in these people so that, so that they recorded what they had seen and heard, what God had given them. That's the Bible that we have are true. There's two things that are true at the very same time. Two things that are true. We have the words of faithful men that perfectly represent the message of the God who is real. So Peter's words don't exactly match John's, and John's don't exactly match Paul's, but 
They don't say them exactly the same. It's their words. But the message is 100%. The power of God through the Holy Spirit speaking through them. That's, that's amazing, right? That's amazing. I can't, like, I, I, I love my wife dearly, but I, we, we, we can look at the same event and come away with two very different perspectives on what's going on. Two very different versions. Ask us to tell you the same story sometimes. Okay? But what we have here is the same, the same message from God consistently given to us from different voices. It's told in their own voice. But it's God's message. And then the last piece of our statement on this is that, that these scriptures, these all kind of go back to these scriptures. These scriptures are the truth and the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. They're the truth. When we pick up the Bible, we're looking at what is ultimately the truth. Truth is what is real. Not just what someone's, it's not opinion, it's not just what, what's someone's impression. It's what ultimately is real. That's what we believe about the Bible. And if it's true, out of it flows that very next clause that, that they're the final authority. How can a book be authoritative? Because everywhere that it speaks, it speaks truthfully. You see, these things go hand in hand. And so when it tells us this is the way things are, we accept it or we don't. But when we don't, we, we, we reject the God who gave it to us. So we believe it. That where it speaks and where it speaks clearly, we say, okay, even when we don't like it. Right? You see, the Bible, uh, um, the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says a lot of things, but, but, but one of them he says that's really good is this. When he, asks, when he answers the question, how can, how can a, a, a book be authoritative? He says it's kind of like a play, a play that has three acts. And what we have in the Bible are acts, not acts, the book of acts, but act one and act two. And we're now living in act three. And so all of the, everything that happens in Act 3 is dependent upon what was revealed to us in Acts 1 and 2. And so when we come against things today, when we talk about the authority of the Bible, the authority of the Bible rests in, in what God has already told us about himself in Act 1 and Act 2. So he's not going to come to us in Act 3 and tell us something that violates Act number 1 or Act number 2. It's... What we, our experience today needs to be consistent with it. So Act 1 and Act 2 have authority over Act 3, the way he puts it. That may or may not be helpful to you, but it's helped me. Okay? It's helped me. John the Apostle says it this way. He says, he says sanctify them in your truth. Okay? He's, this is his prayer. He's in the upper room. He's praying for his followers. And he says, sanctify them. Sanctify is a fancy word for set apart. Okay? Set them apart in your truth. Okay? Your words are true. Set them apart in the reality of all that you are. And your word, it's truth and word are kind of similar words. It's almost like he says, set them, set, sanctify them or set them apart in the truth. Your truth is truth. Okay, it's a little bit what it says. The translators gave us word there as a way of dis di differentiating. But he's saying like, like all the truth that we live is revealed to us in your words. God, Father. Jesus would say in verse 18, he says, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So get this, God has revealed himself to us. Now set them apart 
And, and, and as, as Jesus was sent into the world, his followers are sent into the world. Okay? He says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. I, I set myself apart that they may also be set apart in the truth. This idea that the Bible tells us what the truth is, is essential and pivotal to following Jesus, to knowing him, to walking in his ways. We cannot be a follower of Christ and not honor the scriptures. We become something else. We become some other version. Okay, now, I'm going to do my best to illustrate all this. Okay, I'm going to do my best. In the beginning, (laughs) I'm going to go back that far. In the beginning, God creates the world, right? He makes it. But he didn't just stop with like, there, there are versions of faith, kind of, that, that say like, you know, God threw it out there and then he just let it go. It's doing its own thing now. We don't believe that. We don't believe that from the scriptures. We don't believe it from just our lived experience, okay? Because we know early on God calls a people to himself. That's a really small picture. You can't see it. It's just people, okay? God calls a people to himself. Amongst all the people of the world, he selects a family and that family becomes a nation, and then God intervenes at times where there's, that's parting of water. There's, there's, a, there's miracles. God steps in and he does things that violate like the, the, the laws of nature. Like he intervenes. That's, this, is what, this is what God does, okay? And ultimately, God steps into the world in the form of Jesus, right? The Father sends the Son. The Son, empowered by the Spirit, lives and dies, but is raised to life again. God did this. He's moved in the world. And all along, this came from a top-notch art department, okay? All along, people were watching what God was doing in the world. They saw what God was doing. I don't know why he's frowning. I couldn't, I didn't have more time to find a smiling one. Um, But but God, he's thinking, yes, he's thinking, he's contemplating. Okay, so he sees the work of God, okay? People saw what God was doing in the world, and they wrote it. That's not complicated, right? Except there's something a little bit different about this because what I've described here would just be a historian, right? A historian. They lived it, they experienced it. And so there's this other thing where God like moved in these people. He moved in them. They wrote it in their own words, in their own way. They wrote it with the conventions of their time. It references things that made sense to them that seemed very foreign to us because it was thousands of years ago. Okay? So it's in their words, but it's God moving them to do it. Are you with me? Okay. Sometimes, that's, that's most of the Bible. That's most of the Bible. It's, it's people faithful to God recording the work of God amongst in the world okay amongst the people and the miracles and that's most of the bible but sometimes there's some place in scripture where god just like speaks to someone right and we just looked at the book of daniel we spent our summer in daniel and there's times in the book of daniel where god is just like hey i'm showing you stuff you would never see it otherwise write it down oh yeah and after you write it down don't really share it with anybody seal it up and hang on to it for a while because the people of god are going to need it later Okay, thanks. Sometimes it's like that in the Bible. And sometimes it's just kind of like this, right? Like where someone who loves God is just, they're just writing about that love for him. This is like the Psalms and the Proverbs. They're just, 
They're writing what they know to be true about God. They're doing it in, in, in their words, in their way. But it is fully empowered with, with the Spirit of God in them. And so today, all of that together, today, we have these 66 books of the Bible. They've come to us pretty simply through means that we could look at from the outside and just say, well, that's just, that's just humans writing stuff down. We could say that. Except the, the scriptures themselves don't say that. What the scriptures say is God moved in people. There were particular people in particular places and times who received inspiration from God. His very life breathed out on them. Did they know it was happening? Sometimes they did. I think Isaiah, when he saw the vision of the throne of God, he knew exactly what was going on. But I got to be honest, sometimes when I'm reading First Chronicles, I'm pretty sure that those guys had no idea what they were really writing. Okay? Like, but God knew. God was moving, God was working, and all of it together encompasses the sufficient revelation from God that we need to have a relationship with him. It's all that we need to know in order to respond by faith to his offer of grace. That's what the scriptures give us, okay? Let me wrap up with this. I mean it. Let me wrap up with this. So sometimes the Bible, and those are scrolls, right? Um, sometimes the Bible says things. Okay? And this, is a, this is a nice one. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved for se- from separation from God. It's amazing offer. Okay? And it's written there. And it's, it's an amazing truth. But how do we come to the word? Well, that... I'm shrinking it just for an illustration point. Didn't get less important, okay? So, so here's what happens, okay? We, us, we come to that and we look at it and we read it, okay? We read it. And it's very easy for us to just make assumptions about it. In fact, we oftentimes just bring our own stuff to it and say, like, well, here's what I think it means to be saved. What do you think it means to be saved? And we might... We might have a happy accident where your stuff that you think about it and my stuff that I think about it come together into sort of like a soup of something that might be kind of true. Okay? But there's this other thing at work, and it's the Spirit of God himself that's, that's overlaid on us. I, I didn't want to make it too messy, but you get the point. It's overlaid on us. When we come to the Scriptures by faith, trying to discover and discern who God is, the Spirit of God miraculously and amazingly moves in us in ways that, quite frankly, would baffle the scholar who's trying to look at it with objectivity. This process is not subject to the measurements of scientific analysis. It's a matter of faith. That when we... we take the the word of God in our hands, and we open it and look at it, we believe that God the Spirit himself shines light in our thinking. Shows us 
who God really is reveals to us the truth that we've been, as John said, set apart for in quoting Jesus. But but that truth also is is a bit nuanced because here's the deal. Don't forget in the midst of that because it's also very, very easy for us to come to the scriptures bringing our own set of eyes to it. And we, we, one, we have to think about it this way. We're seeing it through the eyes of the person who wrote it. Okay? Now, here's why this matters. Here's why this matters. Because there's two, two opposite errors that we can fall into. One is, I can treat it as if I was the author. Okay? When I just simply say, I'm picking this up and reading, reading it, and I'm going to stop with what does this mean to me. If we do that, let me say it this way, Many a great heresy has been born out of that process. What does this mean to me? Okay? Because I, could, I, could, I, I bring my baggage. I bring my American baggage, my male baggage. I bring my uh, raised in a certain type of church baggage. I bring my consumerism baggage. I bring all my baggage to it. Now, I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to unbaggage me when I come to the Scriptures. Okay? But I got a lot of baggage. Okay? And I also have to come with my own faith. But I'm, and I'm still a corrupted sinner who is awaiting the fulfillment of God's promise to make me completely whole and to see him without all that sin. So there's, there's something more to it if I just do that. The other option that we have is to, is to try to step back and see it completely objectively, to remove ourselves from it altogether. That's what the, the scholar really does, is tries to say, like, well, let me, let's try to understand this through its literary critical picture. Now, wait a minute. That's not what this is. Right? That's not what this is. This is the work of a person moved by God for the purpose of showing us who God is. So when we look at it, we ought to be asking, what was their perspective? How did they see God? What, quite frankly, what was their baggage? Because understanding their baggage is going to help us understand why they describe God the way that they do. Okay? It's, it's possible for us to, A, remove God from this altogether and just make it human. It's not that. It's also possible for us to remove the humanity out of it and say that it's just something else. It's some some ethereal book handed down, dictated. It's not that either. So we need to understand, who, who is the person that God used? Let's read it again one more time. We believe the original texts of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments historically accepted by the church as the Holy Scriptures are God-breathed. They're inspired. These scriptures written by holy men who were chosen and equipped by God for this special task are the truth and final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Last one, ready? So what do we do? Well, read it, okay? Read the Bible. If we're not reading it, if we throw our hands up and go like, ah, I guarantee we're not seeing God clearly. Secondly, prayerfully read the Bible. Like, don't just read it. Invite the Holy Spirit into our reading of the Bible. Ask him to, sh- to show us what is true. Third thing, but prayerfully read the Bible with other followers of Christ, that's, that is one the, the tool most readily available to us, apart from the Holy, Holy Spirit, in order to help us see what the Scriptures are saying. Fourth, perfectly study the Bible. Go beyond simply reading and study it. Try to understand. Try 
to understand it. Ask the, the questions so we can, we can read it faithfully. Faithfully meaning, what is it that God revealed to the person he revealed it to? We have to come to terms with the reality, and it is that the Bible was written for us, but not to us. It was written, given to someone else. God makes it meaningful for us through the power of inspiration. But it wasn't originally written to me, a 21st century American. I need to study it to get a little bit more. And then finally, prayerfully and faithfully study the Bible with other followers of Christ. Okay? Now, not all of those at once, but here's what I'm, I'm asking you to do. I'm going to pray here in just a second. Let's, we'll get the band up for, for a, a closing song. Uh, I'm going to pray for us in just a second. And here's the thing. Sometimes we have, you know, this is, this is not one of those, like, heart-rousing things. This is just a, like, hey, what are we doing with the Bible? What are we doing with it? Because what we do with it reveals what we believe to be true about it. Right? If I say I believe in God and his word, but I never pick it up and actually examine it, do I really believe in God and his word? Or am I just inventing a God that I sort of like and going from there? Have I replaced Bible reading with my favorite Christian podcast? Have I replaced Bible reading with a television show that may or may not be faithful to the story of Jesus? Read the Bible. Prayerfully read it. Read it with others. Go one step further and study it. Study it with others. I don't know where you are on that, but I'm going to challenge you today. Whatever step you're at, take the next one. Maybe you're, maybe you're not reading at all, and we just need to take step one. Let's do that. Okay? Maybe we're at step three, and, 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 and we've been reading, and we're reading with others, and we need to go a little bit further. Okay? To really examine it, to take it deeper, do that. That's what we're challenging one another to do today. Let me pray. God, thanks again for another day. Thank you for your word. Um, it is, uh, I find it so easy <laughs> to just take it for granted that, that, um, that you've spoken and, um, and to treat the deep truth of who you are um, with an indifference or familiarity that just um, that doesn't acknowledge the amazing work that you've done. I thank you that you have shown yourself to others, that you've, you've inspired them to, to record this. God, thank you for, um, for that work so that we don't have to wander, we don't have to guess. We can look and see you. We thank you that we can do this together as well. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat for a moment. Um, man, it's really good to... We hope that uh, as a result... <laughs> of this series, you move deeper into just your love for the Word of God and and for who it points to. So um, no need to stack the chairs today when we leave. Uh, let me give you a quick update on, on the building uh, at 4400, and then I'm going to pray over one of our groups, uh, our group small group families in a second. So um, we're at a pause right now. We're waiting for things to pick up here waiting for the approval of actually demoing the back section of the building, the back third of the building. Um, to put it simply, last week there were tests done on the, the structural integrity of the building, the rest of the building, minus the warehouse, to see how it would be affected if we took off the back of the building. 
Those tests came back. They determined that there's additional bracing needed in the front part of the building uh, for occupancy. So we're waiting to hear back on that. So it's like one thing happens, and then you don't know where things are going to go. You think it's going one way, and then it goes another way. We just got this is going to be a journey that way. Uh, but we're going to meet tomorrow afternoon to get more information on that. So just pray. Pray for God's timing in this. Pray for if things can move forward. We'd obviously love to, to move back, but um, it's all it's in his timing. All right, I'm going to invite uh, one of our small group families up. So Ian, come on up with you, you members of your group. And um, I just want to say it again. We believe, I read it this morning in Acts, right, that it's, we believe in the small group family, like the early church uh, met in homes, and we believe in what we do here on Sundays, too, as we hear the teaching, right? Um, we just believe everybody needs to be in a, in a small group family. They need to be connected with other believers. So that's why we do this. We're, we're praying over our groups as we kick off the fall here, and uh, we're excited. Um, this group's, how long have you guys been together? You've been together a while. A few years, yeah. But we want to pray for them to, to be able to live out what we read in Acts 2 that they'd be connected together, that they'd, they'd uh, push each other towards Christ. So I'm going to pray for them. Uh, what You guys meet after church, right? So, Yeah, so if you want to find out more information, you're interested, you can come up afterwards and talk to any of them, and they'll tell you. So let me pray for Ian as a leader and pray for the rest of the group too. God, we're just so thankful for um, what you've set up in the church and so thankful for each of our small group families and the way you work. Um, by your spirit and through your word in each one of them. And thank you for Ian and for his, um, his leadership and in their group. And I want to pray for their group as they, they head into this next season, God, that they would, would draw closer to each other as a group um, and that they would, uh, would, would grow closer to you and push each other towards you, God. And I pray for their impact, not just for, the, for them, for each other, but as they look out, to, to the people in their circles and their world who don't know you, God, would you do a work in, in their group this fall um, to spread the gospel through them. So we're thankful, God, we're thankful that we get to be connected to each other. It's a privilege and a gift. Uh, so we pray for Ian's group this fall. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you want to find out more, come up and talk to Ian or any one of these people, um, but we hope you have a great week and uh, spend time, spend time with the Lord. Get into his word this week. Have a great week.